0: Welcome to the Good, Bad, Mad podcast, a show that's here to share the ins and outs of creative careers, connecting the aspirational with the experienced, with your host, me, Meg Ellis. My guest for this episode is the fantastic Sean Welby. She can be currently heard every weekday morning on the hugely popular Capital Breakfast show. She talks us through her journey as a presenter from Weather Girl to Heart to Capital, and gives us an insight into what it takes to be a radio presenter. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Sean, hi, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. No worries, thank you. We're all about trying to get some transparency into some of these squiggly career paths that people completely aspire to, but um, sometimes are put off because it's just not clear enough um to, to understand and I guess presenting is one of them so what we'd really love to kind of delve into is your history in terms of training or education and then kind of turn into a bit more about the ins and outs of the current job if that's okay of course can we go right back to the beginning then did you always kind of think you would go into a presenting role or was it a bit broader than that
1: I originally, I was really wanting to be like an actress and mm. I thought that I was going to go to drama school. Um, I, I lived in the East Midlands in Nottinghamshire. And I remember telling my like I was in sixth form and telling my teachers, "Oh, I want to go to drama school. And they all looked at me like, oh, I don't know. And no one could help. Like mm. Everyone else was sort of like careers day. And I remember thinking, well, no one's helping me. I have no idea how I do any of this stuff. Yeah. And I just wasn't equipped to give me any advice. So I w- I had a little theater club that I used to do. And I was like looking into how you know get how you get into it all. Um and you have to actually pay to audition for drama school. I don't know whether you know this. Yeah.
0: But yeah, okay. It's, so it's you know it's insane, isn't it? Everywhere else is like encouraging and free and it's like come to us, come to us. And drama school's like date.
1: Yeah and you know like when you are skin and you don't live in London it makes it so hard because I couldn't afford the train down let alone the 50 quid fee to get down there uh, to audition and then sometimes it was like um, a two-day audition because if you got through the first round it would be the second day so then I had to work out where am I staying I have no relatives in London and it was Luckily, the drama teacher on one occasion took me down in her car because another person in the drama group also had an audition. So oh, we so sweet random
0: people that night. That's really sweet, but no, you're right. It's like even at the very first hurdle, there there is well, it is a hurdle.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you're almost like it's like a cryptic little world that that no one tells you about. There's not many people that can help you. And if you are literally coming in out of London with sort of no showbiz family, it's a minefield. You do not know where to start and your teachers in general can't really help you. And I remember just not knowing what to do. I auditioned for three drama schools. I didn't get in. I got on the waiting list for Mount View it was called. Um, And then I got told "Really sorry, but this year we can't accept you. And I remember thinking, you know what my audition could have been better I was I just couldn't I just didn't have the time to do it properly I was doing my A-levels I thought right I'll have a year out I'll get a job in a clothes shop and I'll re-audition the next year I've got my own money then I can do it properly but it doesn't it just didn't pan out that way I ended up staying at this clothes shop for five years whilst I then pursued a career
0: in presenting I totally changed my mind what what prompted that change was it the difficulty of getting into acting or was it slightly more um, inherent? D- it's a weird one. I do remember, you know, like sometimes
1: someone can say one comment to you and it stays with you. And I just remember someone in sixth form saying, oh, Sean, you remind me of Cat Dealey. And I loved Cat Dealey at the time. And I thought, oh, presenter. I'd never thought about being a presenter. I was like, I want to be a presenter. Yeah. Like Cat Dealey, I want to do SMTV. And that's where it actually started where I just Googled genuinely how to be a presenter. I had no idea. And started joining little websites that allowed you to upload a showreel or, or a profile.
0: Mm-hmm. And you could do jobs. So when, when you're at the very beginning thinking, okay, this is kind of what I want to do. And they say, make a showreel. Is that what you do? You just kind of put together little fake reporting or... Um, pretend that you're hosting the Oscars or something like that? Honestly, that was the method. That
1: was the only thing I could do. They say, fake it till you make it. And it's so true. I just thought of the kind of shows I wanted to host. You know, I wanted to do like MTV and I wanted to be at Glastonbury and all that kind Mm. of stuff. So I just recreated scenes behind me, Mm. pretend. I remember my show reel, I made it like one of those hundred greatest TV moments. So I made out, it was the 100 greatest Sean Welby moments. And then I was down to the top five and then it was me presenting into me. And Mm. I played five scenes as if these were the best TV moments kind of as a way to sell myself.
0: That sounds brilliant. I I (laughs) saw saw the one on YouTube of you like going around poking people. Oh yeah, that
1: is, you have done some good research. That, That is old. And that was about 10 years ago. And that actually was
0: how I got an agent. That was me auditioning for an agent. And was that kind of, the, I guess, the turning point in, the, in your career is in you're actually making it happen when you got that agent? Y- it weirdly was. It was like the stars
1: aligned. I'd, I'd been sort of doing bits and bobs for five years. Mm. It was just like online presenting started taking off. And everyone was like, it's going to be the next big thing, kid. And yeah. so everyone was hiring me to present on their website. I mean, there'll be some shocking footage out there of me presenting anything. I I can't even think now. It was from property TV to um, the online GP. I was doing everything, everything, anything. Um, And yeah, I saw this thing, this Facebook competition that said, um, we want, you know, get an agent, get an agent, uh, apply online, send in a video. and we were looking for the next presenter and you win, You won like a year's free representation. Okay, pretty good deal. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. And, and that video that you found of me going around uh, Soho Square poking people was my sort of audition to say, please vote for me. Mm. And it came down to the person that got the most likes on the
0: video. Right, so it, it, it is kind of, I guess the early days of that kind of social media um, start really that's kind of what it was at the beginning wasn't it it was like Facebook pokes and likes and now it's like TikTok and Instagram reels and all of that it's funny how it's changed
1: um, yeah looking back I wish I'd got into YouTube but you know I'd wish I'd
0: done all that more I mean just looking at the kind of work that you do with capital and stuff like that you almost verge on that element a lot as well in terms of like the skits you do and the jokes you play and that kind of stuff it is the kind of a mix between a radio show and a youtube show yeah
1: radio has definitely evolved even in the last sort of four years to being more like telly mm-hmm. and in the in the time that i've been in radio every studio that i work in has had cameras fitted like big brother they're all hd The filming the lights come on full like uh show lights to the second you turn the lights on in a studio it isn't even spotlights anymore it's lights that are coming at you like
0: as if you're on a stage and they have to be ready so you're not you're not just thinking about your voice and what you're saying anymore it's it's much bigger than that
1: yeah I think I missed the heyday of when radio presenters came to work in pajamas I wish you know I wish I could just hide (laughs) under a hoodie some days and be like uh I, was going to
0: say, I, do, I do imagine like morning presenters like yourself and like Zoe Wall and stuff just rocking up in your onesies
1: oh I'd get told off if I did that now I sort of have to come in trying to look as sort of tv ready as possible hair done makeup on yeah. I mean yeah I think you sort of want to and in a way it kind of helps you feel ready for work because you've dressed up ready for it and so even though it is like 5am you're sort of like right let's go
0: so when you're kind of getting your first jobs like these website presenting jobs that you're talking about what kind of skills are you trying to develop I mean I'm assuming it's just confidence and and clarity
1: you're right and and I think it's that whole thing of you can't cheat time the more the more you do something and the more time you put into something the better you will get and I really I remember being like at primary school and my teachers telling me how young Britney Spears was at 16, right? And I remember her saying this and I must've been like seven at the time. And I thought, 16, that's old. And it stayed in my head that I, if I wanted to do, maybe even at that age, I wanted to do something to do with theater, drama, whatever. I remember even at that age thinking, I've got to get in this as soon as I can. So the second I could build up footage, I was literally, Making all my mistakes and things that I luckily got to learn with stuff like auto cue and earpieces, and even like I've seen it even in today with like um, YouTubers who are fantastic or TikTokers who are amazing at what they do, but they're so used to doing it in their comfort zone with their cameras, no one around them, they can retake, retake another edit that actually that's fine and obviously those people make a lot of money doing Mm. that you don't have to ever go into TV these days but Mm. if you want to get into TV and radio it's really good to get used to getting out of your comfort zone and I remember the first day I had to present and there was like five five people looking at me there was a director there was a cameraman there was a sound guy the lighting man and the floor manager and it's daunting because they're all watching you do it Mm. and then you buff and stumble and you start shouting and I think something that um that you have to get out your system is putting on the presenter voice. And we all do it at the beginning and you can't
0: help but do it at the start. Yeah. And you have to get that out your system and start being comfortable being you. So your kind of key to presenting is almost pushing away the persona and just chatting with people. <laughs> honestly
1: 100% and like any advice to people would be get out doing those box pops like you know like when you go out on the street and just think of something fun Mm -hmm. to do with public and get your mate to film it obviously Mm -hmm. when it's safe to do so with all this stuff that's going off now but that's what I used to do I used to go out into like a busy town center and see who I could get to finish the lyrics or um, join in with some fun prank I had and Mm -hmm. I suppose it was sort of YouTube before YouTube but they those things definitely get you more comfortable of just being
0: conversational and normal mm. I think so I think it's ultimately I mean I guess if you're interviewing someone on a street or something like that and you ask their opinion they immediately like swallow their tongue and go ah. <laughs> but if you're just having a chit chat with someone <laughs> it comes out naturally doesn't it yeah and also that, that's the other thing it
1: sort of prepares you for someone freezing up on you which will happen throughout your your career, whether you're you know interviewing a, an A-list mm. actor or, who, or a member of the public, people will freeze on you, mm. and it takes you to be able to continue
0: the chat and you know and deal with something maybe a bit awkward. You went to weather first, didn't you? That was kind yeah. of the first big gig. Was that something you were kind of planned for and aimed for, or was that just kind of what hit you? <laughs> that was just my little moment and this is
1: again why you never know which route you're gonna take and along the way you might get jobs that you I think this actually applies to everything you probably get jobs that you don't really want or you don't think are right for you but it's almost like you have to trust the universe and you've got this path and you're gonna get there somehow and when where the job came up it sounds so ridiculous to say this but there was a tiny bit of me that was disappointed because I thought what it came out of left wing. I, I didn't know, left field, sorry. I didn't know, I didn't expect this phone call. And suddenly I was gonna be Channel 5's weather girl. I thought, what? I didn't, where's this in my plan? And, and yeah. I freaked out a bit because it, I wasn't expecting it and I hadn't planned for it. And I didn't know anything about weather and I was terrible at geography. And- what did you say yes then? because I just knew it was like an opportunity that I could not turn down. It was that job that took me to London because I was living in the Midlands still at this point. It was 2010. Um, And it was like, I just knew that that was the job that would catapult everything. I thought I've got to, I've just got to do this. Mm. and It will get my face out there or at least give me the the opportunity to be in London.
0: Mm. Was it quite easy to to learn the kind of meteorologist side of it or was it learning scripts most of the time?
1: It's kind of a mixture. It was like, I, I, they did, they jetted me off to the, the Met office um, in Exeter and I did a week's like intensive training and it was, oh my God, it was like going right over my head. Yeah. Like there was people in there, there was pilots learning cause they have to pass like a really precise test so I'm in there with a load of pilots who are asking the most intense questions about, you know, the knots of wind and the isobars. And I put my hand up at one point and genuinely said, um, do there have to be clouds for it to rain? And the guy looked at me like, oh dear God. <laughs> and I had to learn it. I, I literally had this intensive course. I learned about the weather, still didn't help me know how to present and talk about it. Yeah, but. Channel five was based at Sky mm. and I was in a room with two top sky meteorologists. Right. We got, thankfully, they could see I was way out of my depth and every morning they helped brief me and sort of taught me how to describe it and how to read the maps. And it mm. got to the point where I'm so grateful because of after a year of being in that building, I went off to another studio where I was on my own. And if I hadn't have had their help, mm. I would
0: have been terrible. Um, at some point you kind of ended up putting your own spin on it in terms of like doing the pun weather reports and stuff like that. Um, was that a a kind of spur of the moment decision or was that part of your kind of plan to kind of start putting your own elements and content out there?
1: I I don't really know because like you wonder sometimes if things are subconsciously going off in your mind. And I knew I needed to break away from this mold
0: mm. because
1: I was struggling to get my personality out there just doing the weather. Mm. And I kept, getting, um, I kept getting jobs in like sports, which I was very grateful of at the time, but again, it wasn't me. And I was thinking, I'm, I just wanted to always do comedy and like fun stuff. And I was stuck in these jobs that were amazing And, but I thought I'm the wrong, I'm sort Mm -hmm. of in the wrong jobs and I didn't know how to get out. And I think again, it's like making the most of what you've got. I think at the beginning, genuinely, I was just doing dares, honestly, just to make the crew laugh. And Mm. it started with just like a Friday dare or whatever. And, you know, one of the floor managers or something would say, oh, get the word ninja in your report or say weather or, uh, sorry, say um, banana or something. And then we ju- I just kept, ta- I'll always take a dare too far. Like it ended up being Beyonce lyrics and then Nicolas Cage movies. And people started picking up on it on Twitter and they would start daring me. And then there was Star Wars. And that is the one where I think deep down, I thought it would pop. I didn't know how big, but I knew that people were enjoying them then. I came into work that morning and the news report was saying, so I might be getting it wrong, it was either 20 or 25 years since the last Star Wars movie. Right. I knew people went nuts for Star Wars. And so I was like, oh my God, this was, I'd already planned the weather and I was like, oh God, I should do a full Star Wars one. Yeah. And in 10 minutes before I had to go in and record it. And I was in the gallery with, with the, you know, the, the sound man, the director, the lighting guy, the floor manager, the PA and I was shouting to everyone give me some Star Wars references and I'm gonna try and fit them into my report yeah. so people are going Skywalker Wookiee um all these words yeah and what I used to do is handwrite write the weather out so it could get in my brain because once you're in there you've got no cue. so I was trying to fit it in I was like yeah Wookiee luck sounds like lucky mm. and uh Luke I could sound like look and that's the way I did it mm. And then literally I went in and it was now five minutes till I only get a short window to record these things. And then they changed the whole studio and put it into news mode. And Mm. then the news live and my weather was tagged on to the end. And I did it and we managed to do it genuinely. First take, 40 seconds. And I got like 23 or something in there. Mm. And then just to be safe, they said, record a straight one. And so straight, I recorded one that was just normal. And I, my boss came downstairs and normally I hid this from him, but the editor of the news came down. And I was like, Ben, I was like, I've done something and I really, really hope you'll play it out. Yeah. And, he, and I was like, well, I've done this Star Wars pun, like it's full of puns. I was like, but please play it. And he mm-hmm. went, oh, see. And so until it went live, I didn't even know if they
0: would use it. Right. So, and so, I mean, so you did have that conversation with your uh, producer editor to go, okay, it's there if, if you want to use it. We've we've taken a a bit of a gamble to do this, um, and it was in their hands to kind of decide if it would pay off, and it looks like it has.
1: Yeah, it was just one of those great moments where it was a lunchtime bulletin. I remember desperately. I knew that I needed to, I was really good at social media by this point, And was really into the algorithms of when to post, what to hashtag. And I remember I left it to channel five to do, and they put up a link to Facebook. And I was like, oh God, there's, there's a tweet with a link to Facebook. They haven't used any hashtags for Star Wars. And I was freaking out because I thought, I've got one shot at this. And I remember they, I pleaded with the editors to give me the footage mm. and they, and I think I timed it for 5pm, I think it was, that evening to catch rush hour. And I put it out, I used the Star Wars, the official hashtag that everyone was using, and I just put, how many hidden puns can you spot? Like kept Mm. it really simple. And it started doing quite well. I went to bed that night, I woke Mm. up the morning, and it was, it was just madness. Mm. I was getting calls from like New York and Australia and. Weird. You never know which is gonna be the thing that works, but that definitely helped me break out of that weather mold. Yeah,
0: was that your lead into radio? Yeah, 100%. But TV presenters, just thinking about it, like it does depend on your personality because people have to like really engage with you.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And you're not gonna be everyone's taste. and But you just, I think, I think when you've got a passion for anything, you do make it work somehow or you find your way and there was no plan B for me Mm. I, I didn't really have any other second job in mind I didn't have any sort of backup plan and so I've always known I've got to make this work I've got to I've always put a lot of pressure like you've got to nail it first time or if you're going to do it you've got to make sure it's spot on and it's got to be right and I think the stars aligned for that moment and it just helped me get the attention of yeah radio I suppose actually weirdly a lot of radio stations started ringing me and getting me on to do the puns and and have a laugh Mm. but it was Capital bizarrely who were the first British um, people to get me on and get me to do their own weather reports and I was doing that you know over FaceTime and then it ultimately led to the bosses of Capital and Global
0: seeing it and then I ended up um, getting a job on Heart. With your personality and your image essentially being your product I guess almost more so than an actor sometimes because actors can put on different faces you know but with that element did you ever struggle with the kind of vulnerability of that
1: yeah I think I go through phases of of struggling because that's the other thing that I was even saying it the other day where just because you want to be a presenter or or anything to do with media it doesn't necessarily mean you want unwanted attention it doesn't mean you always want to be the focus it it doesn't mean that you're always confident um and I'm a very sort of happy-go-lucky person but it you know a lot is expected of you when you are a presenter to, to to fill a few other roles like you've almost got to be a model which I am not you know I'm I'm five foot two I'm a size 10 you have these little wobbles where you're enjoying what you do when I'm when I'm talking and laughing and moving and it's stuff like that I'm comfortable mm. but when I'm suddenly having to be still for a photograph and maybe the maybe the way they want the photos is to be um serious mm. I go stiff as a board awkward right. I feel very uncomfortable in the clothes um I was at a shoot the other day and and uh, you know I, I couldn't fit in one of the outfits and then you feel uncomfortable and then you're like oh god why am I even doing this why am I putting myself through it I don't want these photos like I'm not a model and yeah. this you feel very uncomfortable because you you're trying to be everything and, and you just can't yeah you, you've kind of got to always be on almost always have a punchline. Mm-hmm. I suppose you no, know, it falls into that category of you know. I'm sure comedians have that same pressure, and actors will as well to an extent, and and singers. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be a musician, you might not really want to be doing fifty interviews a day and being uh, photographed as you leave a building because you just love music. Yeah. And much as it sounds like you can't apply that to presenting with me, it really is the case that I've I never had the ambition to be famous. Genuinely. I just wanted to do something that like I enjoyed every day and that made people laugh, to be honest. That was always my goal. Mm. And I enjoyed just as much half the time, filming other people, coming up with ideas, writing stuff. Um, And I love my job, but yeah, there's definitely times when I feel like out of my comfort zone or just not good enough, or uh, I think, oh, I wish I could, you know, look like this or be like that. And it's so, you get very
0: tough on yourself. So when, when you got Heart, that was a solo show, wasn't it? Yeah. How do you prepare for a solo show?
1: I mean, that was massively daunting. Hmm. Prepping for a one woman show when I didn't, it was almost, it took me right back to doing the weather again, where I didn't even know the terminology. Hmm it's hard to explain but like with every presenting job you almost end up with stock phrases that you can just get in and out and with radio it could you know because when you're talking when I'm talking to you I don't go um I don't go um well it's 2 30 here good to see you you don't talk like that yeah so I get those things in my head say your name name check the station what time is it um what are you going to talk You almost have to know what you're going to talk about later because you're going to tease that that's coming. Yeah. So ev- everything has to be planned down to the T. You've got a time constraint of maybe 30 seconds for a link or a minute for a link. And then on top of that, mm. you've got to sound natural whilst you're also watching the timer, pulling up faders, pressing music. Mm. It's like being a one man band in, in TV. Mm. There's seven people doing those different jobs, whether there's someone counting in your ears, someone, you know, filming you, someone queuing the music, queuing the VTs. On radio, you are literally everyone.
0: Doing
1: it all. Yeah, and and I remember thinking, honestly, I, I would have breakdowns where I, I was like, I've always been quite quick at picking stuff up and I was like, this is too hard. Mm. I was like, going home crying, going, how am I ever going to go live? I, I had like a, couple of weeks training and I I was finding it so difficult Mm. it was the most daunting thing and then like you say how do you prep you literally I was so nervous about what I was going to talk about for three hours that I was coming into work four hours before the show Mm. just to try and make sure I had enough material and I was I didn't know where to look for the articles and I didn't know where to get my content from yeah oh it was actually it was terrifying when I first started I was cramming in articles in every single link trying to tell you like a full news story or it was like e-news constant yeah. bang 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 and it was way too much and I was shouting and I was trying to project as if I was on stage mm. so I had to like
0: undo all those bad habits. Mm. Um, in terms of I guess teaching yourself out with bad habits is that is that self-analysis or is that kind of working with producers and working with feedback um going okay people aren't responding to this how do we change it or is it just going oh no that didn't feel quite right
1: yeah a bit of both I used to I used to listen back to every single show of when I was on my phone I used to listen back to it like on fast forward and just listen to those little links because actually in in total I wouldn't speak for that long it'd be little so I'd, I'd and hear how it sounded. Every week I'd listen back with two producers who were, you know, would be blunt and they'd mm-hmm. tell you and they'd say, stop using know what I mean, or stop saying like or this, or um you're 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 shouting or bring it down a notch or um that was too long. You could have got to that story quicker, quicker. Mm-hmm. And they teach you how to a bit like Twitter when you've got 140 characters or whatever, you start trying to get good. At telling everything as quick as possible and then the show feels snappy and punchy and and it, that's how they liked it they didn't want long monologues and I think you know Heart they really did train me really well like they got so many bad presenter habits that I'd got from TV mm. they got them out of me they almost stripped me right back to who I am and then I was once I got to grips with all the terms and and, and you know getting used to presenting on radio and then go back to just being me and enjoying it but it I mean you'll know hospital I wish I had done hospital radio like it it's just the same it's just as hard it's just as daunting you're still going out live aren't you and I think um I think it's
0: just a case of getting more confident in who you are I guess so I mean I think at most we had maybe 10 listeners and they were probably <laughs> half asleep or severely medicated, but <laughs> it was great fun, you know, it was just, I think the fun bit about it was just chatting to loads of people, um, but I tell you what, the amount of people who ask you to help them escape from hospital is immense. <laughs> no way. So many are like, can you just help me sleep past the nurse? I'm like, no honey, Sorry. <laughs> But when, when you have the opportunity to kind of interview an idol of yours, how do you prepare for those interviews? Do you have like bullet points that you're hitting in terms of like the media element in your head going, okay, we need a fresh take on that, all that kind of thing. Would you just have a chat?
1: Well, that was something else that definitely changed from telly, like in TV, I remember doing like junkets or you know like um, red carpet events, and then you'd do a, a you'd you'd meet the actors in like a hotel and you you'd, you'd, you'd you know you'd meet them in their dressing room whatever, and you'd have like half an hour with these people, and you could just talk and talk and talk. It would be a two shot, um, you know, two cameramen on it, so it meant it was a a fairly easy edit for for you to just waffle. And so my original technique used to just be to chat and sort of go off script and riff and and go off a tangent and come back in. And in TV, it was fine. As long as you had two cameras, they always had a cutaway and uh, they could keep the best natural bits. And sometimes those best bits were when you went off on a tangent. I learned pretty quick in radio does not work like that. And you might have eight minutes with them and you've just got to get to the point. And but in those eight minutes you've still got to do all those little things that you know you would even do for a podcast or anything where you've still got to a say hello and be polite and have a moment of of, of small talk just to establish oh this is who I am and you know I am going to be friendly and I'm not trying to catch you out yeah. so you've got to gain their trust you've got to get in what their label wants you to ask, whether it's about their album or a new clothing line. So you've got to tick all the boxes they're looking for. You've got your press team really hoping for a headline, but as the presenter, you don't want to ever look like you're stitching someone up or just trying to get like a headline because that's, you know, really we don't, we don't want to do that to somebody like, we're not there to catch anyone out at the same time it's nice if you get a bonus surprise and they tell you something exclusively, that's great. Um, but it's that trust, it's that balance. You don't want a guest to feel like on edge that I'm going to throw something at them that puts them on the spot. So there's a lot going on in interviews. And in general, we try rather than trying to get a sneaky headline, which, you know, back in the day, you know, tabloids or whatever would try and do, we now try and get the headline out of us creating something funny with them. So Uh, getting them to do something a bit silly and -hmm. then you get the headline because they've played along with us, whether it's a prank, Mm -hmm. whether it's, uh, one of the examples I got like pink, she never had a load of British foods like Marmite and uh, Worcestershire sauce crisps and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So those kind of things ended up getting headlines and and I've not had to put her in any tricky position. Yeah. so I suppose that's it, we're always looking just to have the most fun. And my, my hope is that we give fans a chance to see, see that artist like a mate would see them. Mm. You're hopefully getting them so comfortable and so relaxed, you're seeing a really
0: true side of them that's just fun and just wants to play along and yeah. joke about. I mean, when, when you actually get them in the studio, so any kind of COVID connections aside, like when you get them in the studio do you only get those eight minutes or is it you get to meet them before the show after the show to get that report that eight minutes is it sometimes it's
1: even worse sometimes sometimes i've been very rare to get like a good 20 minutes or a half hour that's happened with sam smith and ed sheeran mm. other than that it's because it's like a conveyor belt because in global there's heart this capital this radio x is capital extra There's now Capital Dance, there's gold. There's there's so many stations. And quite often those artists cross over on all of the stations. So there's one studio, you've all agreed um, that that's where you're interviewing. And then the second, say Capital Breakfast is finished. Heart Breakfast is literally knocking on the door. You're getting a a selfie with the artist as the next lot are coming and prepping and sitting down. And it's a conveyor belt. And so you know- yeah exhausting for the artist like you feel really bad for them because it's very relentless but and then they're being whizzed and then they've got their PR teams going come on Mm because then they're being whizzed off to Jonathan Ross or whatever and they've got another show to do it's normally a press day where they just do
0: the full rounds. Is all the global stations in the same building? Yeah. Is it quite competitive between the stations?
1: yeah it is competitive and and yeah we don't tend to in some ways I, I honestly it's crossed my mind before like why don't we do one big interview that gets all the content instead of lots of eight minutes similar things but yeah. it's just the way it works because you don't want to chop and edit them to the point where a, a presenter's revoicing a question yeah. so in general we just all get our own eight minutes and it could be for the artists, a lot of repeating themselves, but we've all got our own ideas of what we want to do with them. And sometimes it would be a massive job for the editor, say if it's a band and the band's got four people in it, then there's three of us presenters, they'd have to isolate every single microphone. And so instead of that, we literally, even though there were quite often when guests used to come in, they would be pre-recorded just because we're on the artist's time. Um, you treat it as live anyway, and you just plow through and, and there will be edits in there, but in general, we tend to record it as live.
0: How often do you do interviews with people that are actually live? Well, at the moment, we d- because we're doing a lot of them on Zoom, mm. nearly
1: all of them are live at the moment. Yes. It's- strange uh, flip of events where unless we're doing American artists because then we're having to do them on their time mm. we're doing them before the show and so that that interview might literally be from the same day but it's played out later just because we've right. had to do it so, so
0: when you're introducing it, it's like oh I've got I've got Ed Sheeran coming on now let's have a chat blah, 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 and you're like play as if it's live but it's not actually live yeah, sometimes that will happen and we're
1: literally playing, we play in then that bit of interview that really yeah. did happen maybe earlier that day.
0: But you're just playing it as a track, essentially.
1: Yeah, like a track. It's just all, um, you know, a, a, an editor's put it all together with sometimes yeah. even backing music just so it's in and, and all neat and tidy. But I would say, like, in general, on breakfast shows, they love it to be live and fun and things to go mm. wrong. So quite often when we Zoom people, it is live and things do go wrong. Mm-hmm. We did one with Alan Carr the other day and he couldn't hear us. And, then, you know, we had to call him back. And we, but it makes it really fun. So yeah. in general, we love doing everything live just because it's just a lot more
0: fun and natural. And what's it like working in, in a team now, going from a solo to a... The team show
1: oh I love it I have wanted a co-presenter from the beginning like don't get me wrong I'm glad I learned the way I did and it taught me a lot of skill and I can always go back to that if I ever needed to and I, you know I'm glad I learned all that but it's lonely like you do have a producer in there with you but you want to have a conversation and it's very difficult to drum up laughter I mean Mm. you rely obviously on the audience more and it is possible and that you know I I would try to get callers on and texts on as often as possible just Mm. to have a rapport with somebody Yeah. but now now I've got Roman and Sonny it's so much easier to have fun and we just because one of us will save the other one or one of us will catch the other one out and quite often real natural surprises or silly moments will happen throughout the show and that is just from being with two people that are like your mates. Mm.
0: Is, did they do chemistry tests as such for the for the three of you?
1: In a way because I had to demo I, there was a lot of people that demoed for the job right and it boils down to yeah, you're probably right, chemistry, who who worked the best, who who had the same sense of humour, mm. who, who could bounce off the other. And honestly, when I demoed with them too, it was like instant. I, I walked out going, I want that job. Like mm. I, I wanted to work with them. It was so, such instant chemistry mm. and they felt like brothers, you know, they felt like my mates from school. Um, so I felt so lucky. I thought, God, if I just wanted it so badly, it went, it went from like a fluke demo to going, oh, I want this so badly.
0: Who's the biggest prankster out of the lot
1: of you? Oh God, I, probably Roman to be honest.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. he's, he's really good at, at he, he's very good at playing along and leading you down the garden path and then pulling the rug at the last minute, yeah.
0: Do you ever find yourselves having to hold each other back? You're like, not now, not now.
1: There's times when even our producer is looking at us like because they know that there's, there might have been a joke brewing during yeah. the and we're about to go live, and you know, she'll look at us like, uh, don't you start, and we'll go live, and the mics go on, and we're already a bit giddy. It's mm. like assembly when you're not supposed to laugh,
0: yeah.
1: And this, yeah, there's things like that all the time where we're all trying to. Mm. I don't know. Catch the other one out, or make the other, get some eye contact that will make them laugh, and it's that's what makes it so fun.
0: What What do you think has surprised you most in presenting so far? It surprised me that I've <laughs>
1: that I keep getting work. I can't believe that I'm here. To be honest, um, <laughs> it's a bit of being a bit of a mad one. Um, I suppose there's a lot of little moments in the job where you just go. I was a kid in the Midlands that on these moments, like um, I might be sat next to Emma Bunton. And then I remember I had the Spice Girls posters all over my bedroom wall. (laughs) I think it's those down to earth moments where you go, what am I doing here?
0: Mm.
1: You know, sat with whoever that person may be. And I think it's that moment of going, God, I." 10 year old Sean would never believe that this is where you are. Yeah. And I remember like making fake radio shows in my bedroom and doing that classic thing where you recorded the chart and you'd like pause it just before someone spoke. <laughs> and I look back and go, and then, oh yeah, I had a moment where I covered uh, the big top 40 which is Global's chart show. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a moment doing that and going, I used to do this in my bedroom.
0: If, if someone said to you, Radio is a thing for me. It's what I want to do nowadays. How how would you recommend that they go about it?
1: There's so many routes. I know there's a mixed, there's a real like mix of all of us at Global. Some Mm -hmm. have come from student radio, done all the, you know, gone through all the process, whether it be hospital radio, then um, student radio, and then like a local station. And that's one route. I think I would say do the YouTube thing build yourself a little style and um you know just try and get your voice out there get confident get used to a camera go out and do vox pops get passionate about music start listening to different stuff maybe think about what kind of show you'd want to host and if you want to do radio you know maybe you'd, you'd present a little show on youtube about new artists or people that you're loving at the moment, or. Um, or maybe you dissect songs, or or you fan over a real unknown artist, or New Music Friday, and you you go through the whole list. I mm. think it's it's a good place to start. And I think on YouTube, you can quickly become massive without having to even go through the whole system of uni and all that. Uh, everyone's got a different story of how they got in. I don't mm. think there's a the right or wrong way. I think you just got to do what what suits you. And and if you don't If you're not yet thinking about uni or you're not sure what to do, just start something, whether it is TikToks, whether it's on Instagram stories, just regularly present something. The only thing I would say, you can get very quick instant fame with a lot of social media, but I think if you really, really want a long, long career in it, if it isn't just about the money, if it's like, no, this is my passion and I want to do it for as long as possible, I do think like, you've kind of got to put that, that groundwork in and, and, and almost do as much as possible because I've seen people come and go as quickly as they arrived. Mm. I, I think in this job, it's really easy to always be looking forward for the next thing. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And actually I've got to the point now where I'm so grateful. so happy mm. to be in a job that I really do love now. It's really me. I look forward to getting out of bed, even though it is four in the morning and it feels slightly sick. I almost can't moan because I think well yes it is early but I'm getting up and going to do the dream job and so it took a while to get here it took me like 15 years of doing stuff to get to the dream job and so things do take time and you do have to be patient even though it kills you but now I mean I'm just in the place I always wanted to be so anything else would be an absolute
0: bonus one last question for you What are the good, bad and mad things about your job?
1: The good is that every day is different and you really can have a laugh. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every single day I cry with laughter. Like that is something I'm very proud to say about my job. I get to laugh out loud every single day Um, and never ever dread Mondays, which is one of those amazing pleasures in life. Uh, The mad is just the carnage of the job. It's insane, it's intense, it's full on, you know, you're in a job one minute, you're out the next. It's the most uh, sort of insecure kind of job you could ever get, like you never feel comfortable, you never have a job for life in this industry. So it is quite um, it's quite a mad profession to have. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that leaks into the bad a little bit that you're always sort of watching your back and, and you don't know what's coming next. But then that is sort of the beauty of it. And it's a very spontaneous industry mm-hmm. and it attracts the bonkers and that's you know a bit of what I am I I like that I'm not stuck behind a desk I like there's always a bit of risk I don't always know what's going to happen and I love that I wake up every morning and don't fully always know how my shift is going to end or how my day is
0: going to evolve and that is the beauty of it so it's a bit of all three this job Mm. Sean. thank you so so much for taking the time it's been so lovely to get to know you a little bit oh thank you so much Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good, Bad, Mad podcast. Please subscribe to check out the next episode or leave a review if you liked it. You can find us on Instagram at goodbadmad or at goodbadmad.com for additional resources and information. See you next time.